Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is a, uh, a great honor to be here this morning. Uh, I love what the scripture says, that this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will be rejoiced and be glad in it. And so, uh, Pillar Church, it is an honor to be with you this morning. I was looking forward to a, a quiet weekend. I just was, my wife and I, we were uh, sitting and having a coffee yesterday morning and just reflecting over the weekend, you know, one of the things that I said to her, baby, I really feel like God uh, is on the eve of doing some great things in our lives. And wasn't too long after that, about 10 minutes after that, I see Pastor Eric's uh, phone number come across my phone. Uh, I'm thinking he's calling to talk about baseball and maybe has a spot, you know, for Eli to come join on one of his teams or something like that. Uh, but he presented me with the opportunity uh, to come and speak here at Pillar Church this morning. And, uh, and so my, uh, my, my easy, quiet weekend uh, took a turn, but, but what a blessing and what a surprise uh, to get the opportunity uh, to come and worship with you this morning. I just want to thank the worship team. Uh, let's give them a round of applause for just, man, just leading us in worship this morning. <clears throat> but I think worship is a, a pivotal piece of our church experience in helping prepare our hearts and mind uh, to enter into the, uh, the presence of God. But I want to just thank Pastor Kane, the man, for trusting me with this opportunity. Uh, Pastor Park has been just a good friend probably for the last five or six years. Uh, we are praying for him uh, that he is out. Pastor Eric, like he said, we've been knowing each other about five years or so. Uh, great individual, love his heart and mind. And, and for Pillar Church, uh, man, I'm just excited for what God is doing here. Uh, not only what he's done here, uh, but more so what God is going to do here in this church. And, uh, and I'm super excited about that. I want to thank my family here, my wife, beautiful wife of 18 years. We celebrated 18 years last Sunday. Uh, so Easter and our 18-year anniversary was last weekend. So we were double celebrating. And uh, my kids, Eli, Eden, and Elle, uh, the three E's is what we like to call them. The, the triple trouble is what they uh, do wearing us out. And then my mom, my beautiful mom, she's here. I always tell people if I was preaching in the Sarari Desert on the side of a mountain in Colorado, she would be there. And, uh, and she's been there from the beginning of time. But hey, if you have your, your Bibles this morning, if you have your Bibles or smartphones this morning, uh, would you turn to chapter Ephesians uh, chapter 3? Uh, we're going to look at verse 14 through 16. Ephesians this morning, we're going to be in chapter 3, uh, verses 14 through 16 this morning. And I'll give you a second to get there, but we will be in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 16. I mean, verses 14 through 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And it goes this way. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth? And now to know, the, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then the doxology goes on and says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask, think, according to the power that is within us. To him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. 
If I had to put a coin, a title to this this morning, I would love to speak on to y'all this morning, growing in the greatness of God. Growing in the greatness of God. Let's pray. Well, Father God, I, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this time that we get the chance to worship together. I thank you for the souls and hearts that are here with us in person and for those who are listening online. I thank you for this church and this community, and I just pray that your spirit, that you would utilize this church to share the love of Christ and that they would be the hands and feet and legs of Jesus. And so, Lord, I just ask that this morning that your spirit will indwell us all, that, Lord, that we will leave here encouraged and empowered and understanding that you give us your spirit as the helper to help us throughout this life. And so, Lord, I'm asking you right now to help me as I take your word, as I am an unholy man preaching a holy word before your people. Do your thing. Speak to me that I may speak to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. His name was Popeye. Some of you may remember him as Popeye the Sailor Man. Popeye was strappy. He was a little sea man with big bulging forearms with a squinty eye and a screwed up face, always had the pipe in his mouth. He was always ready for a fight instead of a reasonable conversation. He had this raspy voice, and you can constantly hear him mumbling under his breath saying, I am what I am. That's all that I am. He had this girlfriend that we all know, and for those of us who have been around the young folks, you may have to go visit, you may have to go Google Popeye the Sailor Man. But Popeye, he was in love with this young lady. Her name was Olive Oil. As we know, she wasn't the most thing to look at, but man, to Popeye, man, she was the most beautiful thing, Mona Lisa, that he can, he's ever seen his eyes before. But just like any man that there's in love with a woman, there's always a villain because we always got to have someone to fight in, in, in our lives. And in Popeye's particular life, it was Pluto, Pluto, Pluto. He was a big, burly, bearded man who was much bigger and stronger than Popeye. And if we remember the, 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 the cartoon of Popeye the Sailor Man, Popeye always found himself in life-threatening situation where it always seemed like life was beating him down. The, if it was either the big bad Pluto that was beating him up or another scenario that found him up against the wall. But Popeye had a secret. He had a helper, and that helper came in the form of a can. And in that form of a can, in that can he carried in his pocket, and in that can it was spinach. And when life began to squeeze on Popeye, and when life began to get tough, and if you remember, oftentimes when something was squeezing Popeye, and was Popeye was backed up against the corner, the can would pop out of his pocket, burst open. The spinach would go into the air. Popeye would open his mouth, and he would consume the spinach. Once he ate the spinach, Popeye had supernatural strength. In all situations, it gave Popeye the strength to be victorious, to overcome whatever he was facing in that moment. And after Popeye would defeat his opponent or whatever he was facing, Popeye had a victory chance. He says, I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. He says, I'm strong to the finish because I eat my spinach. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. It was, it was the spinach that was Popeye's strength. In the book of Ephesians, Paul wants to remind us as believers that we have strength by God's power, transforming power in our inner being through his spirit. 
when we look at the book of Ephesians, Paul penned the book of Ephesians while he was under house arrest, under the careful watch of Roman soldiers. He had not yet, as we see in, uh, in Timothy 1 and 2, was in jail. But scholars would say the book of Ephesians was Paul, as much as Paul has given us in his story, we all are familiar with Paul's story, but Paul, the theologian would say that Ephesians, uh, especially chapter 3 to 21, would, is the creme de la la of what Paul has written. And when we see in chapter 1, Paul delivers that we have been adopted into God's family through our relationship with Christ. And then in chapter 2, Paul reminds us that we were all dead of our transgressions, but God, through his mercy and his love, made us alive through Christ. By God's grace through faith, God saves us. In the first part of chapter 3, Paul speaks about the mysteries of Christ and about the fact that he's a prisoner of Christ. And after speaking about all these things, Paul takes this humble posture. He begins to pray for not only for the church of Ephesus, but for all of us that is sitting in this room today. And it was prayer, Paul's prayer for us all, that Paul wanted all believers, you and I, everyone in this room, to let us know that we have access to the spiritual power that is available through our relationship with Christ Jesus. And that's what I want to tap in today, is that we have power in us. Because oftentimes in life, man, it's kind of like that light bulb that you have on your porch that is going out. It's kind of flickering on and off. And oftentimes I feel like in our Christian, and even in the body of Christ, that the church is that, man, we want to be effective. But oftentimes I feel like we are, we're that light on the front porch that's flickering on and off. But, man, I truly believe, and not only that, I truly believe that I know that God wants us to beam. He wants our light to shine through all the communities that we step in, through our work environment, through our home environment, in every place that our feet touch. But it only happens if we're plugged into our power source. It only happens if we let the light of Christ grow into us. And so let's walk through this together. So verse chapter 3, verses 14. So here it says, it says, he says, for this reason, I bow my knee before the Father. He says, for whom every family in heaven on earth is named. We see in verses 14 and 15, Paul is reminding the church, both Jews and Gentile who believe in Christ are both a part of God's family. Paul is reminding us today as believers that we are one family that serves one God whom we all have equal access to his power, at, at the power that is at work in us. What Paul is saying that the church in our lives, Paul is saying that our families, that we are one family that is united by the blood of Christ. And what Paul is reminding us is that is this, is that there is no, no one can corner God's when we believe in Christ, that all God's people have access to our Heavenly Father. There's no status in, his, in heaven. There is no ranking in heaven that you can't buy this power, that you can't live in a certain community to have this power. You can't have this exclusive place that you have, that this power, that this power is connected to white people, brown people, black people. All of God's people have this power. So what does that mean? That we're one big family. That we cannot allow the things of this world to divide us. That what God is saying is that, hey, that our eternal and our heavenly relationships is greater than the earthly troubles that we, and walls that we put up in our communities. And so as the body of Christ and what even this picture of heaven that I see of all the different shades of my uh, images of people that are created in God's image, what God is trying, what Paul is reminding us is that, hey, that we are unified in the blood of Christ. 
And as believers, our action, we should run to the front lines that when we see walls that divides God's people, when we see classism that divides God's people, when we see communities or politics that divide God's kingdom, because the church trumps all those things, that we are connected to the ultimate authority and the one who will make the last judgment decision. And so Paul reminds us and challenges us to say, hey, act like your family. Love like your family. Treat each other like your family. Even the folks that you don't halfway like half the time, that when you are bonded by your love of Christ, you can't act out in your flesh. You got to allow the spirit of God at work in you to be the fruits of what people see in your lives. And then Paul goes on to say, he says this in verse 16, he says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant, grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul's prayer, and think about this, Paul had you in mind when he prayed this prayer. Paul had generations to come. Paul was thinking of centuries and centuries and centuries ahead that he was, that this prayer is for us to this room today. And so Paul's prayer says that he's, what Paul is saying that Paul's prayer is for God to grant them to be strengthened with power and their inner being through his spirit. Here we find the word power in the Greek means dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. The power comes to us through the indwelling of God's spirit when we have put our trust in Jesus, who strengthened us in our inner self, namely our inner beings. It's important that we just, it's important that we just don't be strengthened once by God's spirit, but we keep over and over and over be strengthened by his power. It's kind of like this. We've all, at some point in time, opened up that new Apple box, that Apple phone. You got a new Apple phone, and, you know, it's exciting. You know, you open that, that, that phone, and, you know, and Apple does this thing, just the whole experience is just almost magical. I mean, you, you tape it off, and, and you, you pop the box, and it's like the box just rise up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, an, and it's just like when you open that box and that phone ain't been touched and it's clean and it's shiny, ain't no fingerprints on that bad boy. I mean, it's just, it's just marvelous. I mean, you, you pick that, that device up and you, you do all the settings, you do all the downloads and I always have problems transferring data and all that kind of good stuff. Pictures normally takes me about an hour. So once I do that, you're functioning, you're rolling, you got your apps going, you're making phone calls, you, you're texting, you're doing all those things. You're living life. You're living your life through this device. But just imagine if we popped it out of that box, and we used it, at some point in time, it's going to run out of power. Then all of a sudden, that that very phone that we can do so much, we can run our whole lives, we can travel across the world, we can, we can set trips to take us places that we've never seen before, that we can do our work, we can make appointments, we can respond to emails, that we can let people know where we are at. But if that, as soon as that phone runs out of power, it really serves no purpose. And the same thing in our spiritual life, that Paul is saying that, hey, all the things that he, would, he could pray for us that, hey, I hope you would have, or this is what I wish you would have. You notice Paul didn't say, hey, I want you to have this X, Y, Z of money. I want you to have this status in life. I want you to have this house that you may live in. But what Paul is saying, hey, I hope and I pray that each of us are strengthened by the power of God and the spirit that is at work in us. 
What Paul is saying and reminds us that in, in, in even chapter 5, verse 17, Paul reminds us, he says, hey, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. When you're drunk with wine, you are under the influence of the alcohol. But when you are filled by the Spirit, you see the fruits of God's Spirit at work in us. And we've been there before. I know Sunday, last week was Sunday. And I know, you know, we still, we holy. But we all had them moments where we had too much wine. And we know how, you know, we can, you, can, you can have a little too much wine. And, and how do you get to that place? It ain't normally by one. It may be two, three, four. And some of us can drink more communion juice than others. But it's that continuous wasting of drinking, of consuming, that gets you under the influence of the alcohol. And it's the same thing, the importance of us consuming the Word of God, living in community, coming a part of church, being filled through worship, being filled through living life with each other, being filled with going through life, that God pours His Spirit in us in order that we may live out the Christian faith. So why do we need the Spirit of, of God at work that you may ask? As I was sitting down this morning, I just began to, to just jot down notes of, of why we need the benefits of the Spirit of God in us. And so the Spirit of God, it gives us strength to live out our faith. The Spirit of God gives us strength to get out of bed when we, when we feel broken in our lives. The Spirit of God gives us wisdom and discernment. The Spirit of God gives us hope when we feel hopeless. The Spirit of God guides our steps in life. The Spirit of God helps us to love others when we won't, don't want to love our neighbors. The Spirit of God convicts us of sin. The Spirit of God reminds us of God's unconditional love towards us. The Spirit of God can calm an anxious and worried heart. The Spirit of God can remind us that we are covered by God's grace. The Spirit of God gives us boldness and confidence in all situations of life. The Spirit of God helps us to love our spouse when nothing in us wants to love them. The Spirit of God helps us to parent our kids when we want to knock them upside the head. The Spirit of God helps us to love our co-worker when they're getting on your last nerve. The Spirit of God encourages when doors close and, and, and nothing seems to be working. The Spirit of God encourages when the doctor tells you that, hey, that there's nothing that I can do. The Spirit of God reminds you that God is near you even when it doesn't feel like he is at work in your life. The Spirit of God allows the world to see the light of Christ in you. When the enemy says that you are guilty and you have fallen short, the Spirit of God lets you know that you are set free from your sin, that you are no longer a slave to sin, that nothing can separate you from God. It reminds us, the Spirit of God, it reminds us that God is fighting on our behalf. The Spirit of God knows you better than you knows yourself. He knows your joy, your sadness, your hopes, your dreams, your insecurities, the big questions about faith, the doubt that you have about faith, and the Spirit of God wants to jump right dead in the middle of that and help strengthen you in all situations of your life. We cannot live out this Christian faith apart from the Spirit of God. We have limitations in all of us. I work with some very strong men and strong women at TCU, some athletes that are in their prime and some of the top athletes across this nation. But they all have limitations. They can only bench so much. They can only run so fast. They can only jump so high. We all have limitations. But with the power of God that is at work in us, there's no limitations of what God can do in our life. The Spirit of God is a reminder of how desperately we need to recognize the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We cannot live out this Christian faith 
apart from it. Then we get to verse 17, and I love what this Paul says. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So here it is, Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. The Greek word for dwell means to make yourself at home. And we know this, that when we have somebody come over to our house, we love to say, hey, make yourself at home. But you know, I don't know good and well. They get to getting too comfortable. You're going to get to looking at them sideways. They get to taking off their shoes. They get to running up in your refrigerator. They get to eating up your food that you got in there. They get to drinking that drink that you got stashed back there in the, in the back. They got that little banana pudding that you've been saving and that you don't want nobody to touch. You know, if they get to ramishing through your rooms and, and, and closets and you're like, man, what are you doing? What, what, hey, 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 hey. But you said make myself at home. But what we all, what we really are saying is that, hey, sit down, be pleasant, and get up out of here. <laughs> but oftentimes, we treat Christ like an unwanted guest, that we want him to come in, we want to have a little fellowship, we want it to be convenient, as long as it works in our time frame, as long as it works in our schedule, as long as it works in everything else in our lives are going right. But what Christ is saying to us is like, no, that man, he says, I want to dwell in your home. I want to dwell in your heart. He said, I want to make himself at home. What this verse is saying, Christ wants to make himself at home in our hearts. He wants all of it, not just the corner. God wants the good, the bad, and the ugly in our life. Why? Because the power of God is greater than our own self-sufficiency. Because sin distracts the power of God in our hearts. The beauty of this is this. Is this. We all have junk in our lives. We all do. God wants to pull up a seat in your heart and help you clean out the junky closets in your life. And that's what God wants to do. He doesn't desire us for us to treat him like an unwanted neighbor. That God wants to take residency in our life. That he wants to dwell in our lives. And that he wants to come into a place that, hey, he knows who you are. He knows the stuff that you have in, in your life. And there's nothing more satisfying when you got that one junkie room or that one junkie closet. And after years, you finally clean that bad boy out. There is nothing more freeing and more victorious. And just imagine about the junkie places in our hearts that we try to keep that doorway closed from God. And what God is saying, let me in. Let me help you begin to throw away the clutter. Let me help you to deal with the pain. Let me help you to deal with the regret. Let me help you to bring understanding of maybe something has happened to you you don't understand. Maybe help you to deal with the loneliness. Maybe help you to deal with, with, with the issues that you're facing. And so what God wants to do, he wants to pull up a seat in our hearts and our lives. God wants, wants time with us. He wants time with you. God wants to be involved in every decision that you make in your life. Increase spiritual strength requires increased spiritual intimacy. You grow in your walk with God and your knowledge of God by the time and commitment that you're dedicating to God. Now, does that mean that, hey, that you just got to go and, you know, spend every waking hour? I'm like, no. As you go, as you're driving to work in the morning, putting some worship music on, begin preparing your heart. As you rise in the morning, say, hey, Lord, this is the day that you have given me. Help me to surrender my heart and mind to you. As you lay your head down tonight, taking the time out to, to pray and thank God for the day, even the challenges and victories in life. And so we make time for things that are important to us, but the most important thing that we can make in our lives is having time with God because his presence is always presence in our life. 
It's always present. And so for me, I love getting up in the morning. I'm an early bird. Like, my family are night owls. Like, them jokers love to stay up and watch movies. And about five minutes into the movie, I'm knocked out. Like, I've gotten some of the best sleep in movie theaters. Uh, man, I get there, make it through the credits, eat the popcorn. And to me, that's really the exciting thing. Like, I know you're going to see, I'm going to see a movie that I've never seen. But it's something exciting about seeing the movies that are coming out that I'm going to go and sit through the credits. And then after that, I'm going to fall asleep. And then I'm gonna keep my wife and my kids are going to side out me all the way home. But for me, I love to rise in the morning when the house is quiet, the kids are asleep, wife asleep. It's just nobody but me and the bulldogs in the presence and asking God to help order my steps throughout that day. And then we get to verse 18. It says that you may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know the love that surpasses knowledge that you may be fulfilled to the measures of the fullness of God. Paul's prayer have increased, under, what he's saying is have increased understanding of God's love for you. He wants us to know the length and width and height and depth of God in Jesus, the love that surpasses knowledge and human reasoning. Because the God, the God of the Bible, it is extinguishable. There is no end. There is no beginning to end in knowing the love and the limits that Christ. There's no limits that God has for us. There's no limits that we can put on this love. Paul desires for us to grow in our spiritual capacity so God can pour more of his spirit into us. The more we let God, let more, the more we let more of God pour into hearts, the more God will reveal more of himself to us. So the more that we open up our hearts and the more we make ourselves available to God, the more he's going to pour his spirit into you. So God is not going to give you something that you don't want. Your maturity comes by opening up, growing in his word, growing in his presence, and growing in your relationship with him. The more that you open up, the more he's going to pour himself into you. And what God wants to do is that, man, for us to break down the barriers, and he wants to pour his spirit into us. Because look, life is quick. None of us know our expiration date. None of us know when our time is. So why would God hold something back that is so precious? Because time is the most precious thing that we have. And so if there's anyone who wants us to know the will that he has for us is the power of God, is God's spirit in us. And so, man, what God wants us to do is, hey, open up your heart. Allow him to pour his spirit into you. And then Paul, in verses 20 to 21, this is Paul's close with this prayer, this doxology, this is worship. This is the climax of, the pa- of this passage. And I would even say this is probably one of, to me, one of the most impactful Bible verses in the Bible. And this is that time when you're reading that passage, if you was watching a movie, it's when the music starts to change and the, the drama and, and, you know, just the excitement begins to build up. And here it is where Paul, and when we read through this, read this slowly, but Paul says this in verse 20, he says this. He says, now to him who is able to do more abundantly than we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him the glory of the church in Jesus Christ to all generations. Another one says, and if you can believe it, it gets even better, more rich and fulfilling when you, when it gets even better when you read it, when you read it in other translations. Another version says, to him who was able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or imagine. Another version says, above and beyond. Another one says, infinitely more in the NLT. 
Another one says, immeasurably more. And the good old message says, as one of my all favorites, I love it, the message says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in the wildest dreams of your place. God can do everything. Paul points us towards Christ, who was able to do above and beyond what we are praying. And so what is Paul saying to us is this, that not only can God answer our prayers, he can even answer them more abundantly. Not only can God meet our needs in life, but he can do it more abundantly. It is a part of God's sovereign plan if he chooses to answer our prayer. But we can trust, as it is a part of his sovereign plan, that he is working on the good for our behalf. So what is our posture? Our posture is to pray and to walk in faith and understanding that, hey, that there is nothing that can limit what God can do in your life. God can supersize your prayers. Not only can he answer what you're praying for, but he can even do more. And so what Paul is telling us, reminding us is that is this, is that, hey, don't put limitations on God. Don't, 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 don't put boundaries or barbed wire fits and say, hey, God can only do this in my life. No, God has taken people from nowhere and done great and exceedingly things. And the same thing what God, I believe, wants to do in all of our lives, that God wants to show us how big and how great and how vast that he is. And I truly believe as we worship here this morning, I could just even just sense God, just even for Pillar Church, that what God wants to do in this church, that he wants to take this church, and that he wants to take this church throughout this community, and that he wants you to be a great and mighty life, that, man, when people have a place to come and worship and hear the goodness of Jesus Christ, I believe that God wants to take this church and to be a hospital for hurting people. I believe that God wants to take this church and be a school system, man, and supportive of teachers and coaches and students throughout this community. I believe that God wants to take this church and to radically change this community and the surroundings. But I truly believe that in all my heart, mind, and soul. But we have to believe that, and we have to pray that. And once we pray that, we begin to put our marching orders in place. But we have to believe that God is able to answer our prayers. God is able to do more than we ask or think or imagine. God is able to take the limits and desires of our dream and exceed them. God is able to fix the bro broken places in our life. God is able to fix the, the, the broken places in our hearts. God is able to fix a broken home. God is able to help us overcome our fears and doubt. God is able to help us leave unhealthy relationships. God is able to help us when we're struggling and when we're, when we're down and out. God is able to help us to overcome anxiety and fear. And if that is not enough, I can turn back to the, the Bible as a reference because I can think about how God was able to help Joseph go from the outhouse to the penthouse in his leadership. I can see how God was able to help Moses deliver his people from Pharaoh. I can see how God was able to help Daniel in the lion's den. I can see how God was able to keep three Hebrew boys safe in the burning fire. I can see how God strengthened David to defeat the giants. I can see how God gave the blind sight. He is able to keep us from stumbling. He was able to help Peter walk on water. He was able to give Jesus the power to rise from the, from the dead and to walk out the tomb. And the same power that is in Jesus is the same power that is in you and me. God is able. And the kicker to us all, that we have to stay plugged in 
to our power source because he's able to do it. But it says, by the power that is at work in you. If we're not connected to the source, then the power is not connected in us. The question I got for you in your own personal life, now what are you praying for? That money can't fix, that keeps you up at night, that has you worrying about your future? What is taking the joy in your life that is keeping you from experience the power of God? So my encouragement and power for you is this week, as you go throughout this week, that you keep in mind that God's power is unlimited. Of what he can do in your life, there's no limits. But we have to stay tapped into our Heavenly Father. My, my prayer for you is this week is that you would take times in your own personal life to take that thing, that hurt, that pain, that question mark, that health issue, whatever it may be, that you would put that before God. And not only that you pray throughout this week, that you keep praying. And you keep praying until God gives you an answer or give you understanding. Because the thing that I know about God, he's gonna, he hears your prayers. It may not be on our timing, but he has a purpose for the pain, the suffering, the joy, and hope. It's all a part of his plan. You serve a big God that wants to do something great in your life. My prayer is that you go be great this week, that there's a dream that you might have died in your heart. God didn't tell you to die, let that dream die, that you bury it, dig that, dig that dream back up and let God deal with it. Maybe there's some pain that you've wrestled, you've been wrestling with this pain all your life. God has said, hey, put that in front of him. Maybe there's some hurt someone that has caused you. God can take that hurt and, put, and remove that hurt from your life. But go be great this week. Because God, in his sovereignty, in his son Jesus, as we celebrated last week, he walked out of that tomb. And Jesus told us, you would do greater things than I. The same spirit that allowed Jesus to walk out of that tomb is the same spirit that lives in you and I. We got to walk in faith, we got to dream in faith, and we got to act in faith. Because when we do that, we will see the power of God meet us in our dreams, in our worries, in our depression. He can pull us out of any situation and take us to heights that we never imagined before. Let me pray for you. Well, Father, I'm thankful that we serve a God that, that has no limits, that has no boundaries. We serve a God that has given us our spirit, your spirit, to abide in us, to help us in this thing called life. And so, Father, I just pray for everyone that is here today, that, Father, that you would pour your spirit, that, Lord, that they would leave here strengthened, and that they would feel, feel leave here excited, knowing that they have a relationship with the living God. I pray that, God, that one of the challenges that may have kept them awake at night this week or last night, that, Father, that they would put that at your feet. And just throughout this week, Lord, they would keep praying until you show up and you answer that prayer. I pray, Lord, for the, for the burdens that may have been wear, weighing us down, I pray that you would just lift those up. I pray for everyone in this room that, Lord, that a spirit of peace and joy will fill our hearts. 
Because, God, we are victorious because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And lastly, Lord, I pray for this church. Man, I just pray that you would move throughout this church, the leadership, that you would continue to give them great vision. I pray that, God, that you continue to bring the, the workers, because you remind us, Lord, that the, the workers are few, but the harvest is plentiful, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that you continue to bring the people. I pray that your spirit, Lord, would move throughout this community in a great and mighty way. And when people see and see Pillar Church and they see the members of Pillar Church, that they in awe because they are getting the opportunity to see a living representation of the power at God at work in the lives of his body, the church in this community. Bless this church. Use this church in a great, mighty way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.